Hey, teachers, you're listening to the thing that we do on Fridays. I guess you might be listening. You could be watching. Uh, I'm not sure in which would be better at this point to watch or to listen. But it's me, Brother Lawson. I'm here with Brother Wing. Brother Wing, when you, uh, which do you prefer? Do you prefer to, because uh, I know you watch our, our or listen to our podcasts after we give it, I mean, over and over again, driving <laughs> up the downloads of that. Yeah. Um, do you ever listen to our podcast or watch it on Facebook? I know you don't watch it on Facebook because you don't even know your password yeah. probably to get on Facebook. <laughs> I check, I check Facebook twice a year at least. Um, no, I I listen to our podcast sometimes. <laughs> Do you ever think, man, I really sound like that? I know. Yeah, that's true. Terrible. I'm that's a one scary. and done. We're one and done guys. Like we just record it and then yeah, that's it. Have we ever edited something? I think I think one time we started laughing really hard about something. And I think I had to edit that out because it went on for a little while. And so, <laughs> so we probably should have left that in. We may have. We may have uh, should have left that in. Hey, uh, teachers, you got you're just doing such a great job. I don't know about you, brother. I'm going to give my teachers Monday off. Uh, we're not going to have seminary on Monday. We're just going to go ahead and and give them a break because they that's the way I kind of roll as the the coordinator director guy up here in missouri i'm not sure if if you believe in that kind of stuff but it's a it's a good practice you are super kind i didn't know we had that kind of power but i guess we do so yeah. i'll do it too all right you're gonna i'll oh, see that feels good just to wave a wand and say you know what seminary's canceled monday we're gonna do it however tuesday we're gonna be back at it back at the grind we only this is kind of an interesting week we only have a few chapters in in the book of first first corinthians the last three chapters 14 15 and 16 uh and our pacing guide if you look at it we're mainly focused on uh on chapter 15 but again let me just emphasize that just just because we're focused on chapter 15 doesn't mean you have to stay in chapter 15. There's other great stuff in 14 and, and 16 as well. Um, we do have a doctoral mastery day that we're uh, we're doing on Friday. And we're kind of combining the, you know, we're, we're doing the, uh, the two doctoral mastery passages that are in 1 Corinthians 15 uh, on that day. So... Let's get started, bro wing. Uh, should we start? Do, do we want to do we just want to stay in 15 or should we talk about 14 and 16 as well? What do you want to do? I guess briefly, I'll say about verse first Corinthians 14. There, yeah. I found some great one liners in that oh, chapter, yeah? so it may not be where you want to direct most of your attention. And given that we're four days this week instead of five, you might want to. Yeah concentrate most of your attention on first Corinthians 15 anyway, but I really like verse 26, verse 40, verse 33. Um, there are some others too. So you could mm-hmm. just kind of, if their students need a little warm up or something, you know, as they come in on Tuesday, just a little like, Paul potpourri. Yeah. Just like real fast. Say you got, you got 30 seconds Go into First Corinthians fourteen, find the best one liner, you know. Go now, boom, and then they, yeah. you know, they can come up and write it on the board. Or they can just share what they got. But there's some good ones in there. Now, you know, like doing this, sending the students into chapter fourteen, you know, 
the kid, there's going to be that kid. It's always going to be that kid, the kid that you don't really want him to, to see, um, verse 34. He, that's, that's right where his eyes are going to be drawn to, right? There's some, there's always in seminary, there's always a kid that, you know, that, that just wants to ruin his dating chances in, in high school by, by sharing, Hey, this is a great scripture. And, uh, and they recite, uh, verse 34. What are we supposed to do with um, some students might read first Corinthians 14 and have a real uh, big problem as they should with uh, verse 34 and 35. How would you handle that as a, as a teacher where it's, when it says, let your women keep silence in the churches. If anything, if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home. That doesn't sound great. <laughs> Yeah, so this is how I would handle that. If that one kid happens to be in my class, yeah, he, and this is like, I got a good one-liner for you, Brother Wing, and then he shares this one, then I would say, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up. Let's talk about that one. And then I would say, this is a verse that, what would President Nelson say about this verse? What do you think? You know? And then people would be like, I don't think he would agree with this verse. <laughs> yeah, <I don't. laughs> this verse is an example that it doesn't fit with other things that Paul has taught. Right. So it's already kind of suspect, you know, yeah. I mean, probably before you even recognize that it doesn't fit with other things that Paul has taught, it's already suspect because it doesn't sound right. Right. You know? So you're kind of like, okay, something's weird here. Every time you see something weird in the King James version, um, Almost always you look at that and you see something weird. You go to the footnotes and you're going to see a Joseph Smith translation. Yeah. There. This is no different, but there isn't a Joseph Smith translation. He changed that word speak to rule. Right. Um, which then now it's not so much about, you know, giving a talk or preaching. It's about uh, authority uh, to lead in a, in a priesthood sense, priesthood right. office sense. And so, um, because I would, I would guess that if any person in this church who's grown up in this church were to list off all of their teachers in their life, they're Mostly predominantly women. female. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of speaking, teaching, leading in this church by women, of course, as we've seen. And so anyway, that's, this is me just ranting here. I wouldn't yak about this with my students. Uh, this way, but I would just say, Hey, I'm glad you brought that up. Let's talk about this. And then just say, what do you think about this? What do you think about how president Nelson would react? Does this mm -hmm. match what Paula said? Does this match what we teach in the church today? Does this match what, what you've seen in the church? Right. So it's all nose on all of that. And she's like, so what do we do with this? Joe Smith translation maybe helps here, but it's, I've heard one person say kind of doesn't matter because it doesn't match anything else. So right. it's like whatever Paul meant by that, we don't totally know. Right. And it doesn't really matter because our prophets don't teach that. Right. In the theological world, in the biblical scholar world, there's uh, many scholars who believe that Paul didn't even write those verses. Now, that's not a, a doctrine that we teach, but that's just something that you might need to be aware of. But uh, but here I'll I'll just go down this road a little bit further with you, brother Wing. Here's your big quiz question: If like, why didn't Joseph Smith then, um, if this if this isn't true or right or whatever, why didn't he just take it all the way out 
of the scriptures. Why didn't he just remove it from Joseph Smith translation? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, that's a place where we assume yeah. that the Joseph Smith translation means that he took the Bible and made it perfect. Yeah. And that's definitely not what the Joseph Smith right. translation is. He corrected some things. He didn't correct everything. Um, and, uh, and so that's just an assumption about what the Joseph Smith translation is that's faulty. Man, you are a smart guy. Let's see how smart you are in uh, in 1 Corinthians 15. Now, in the pacing guide and curriculum, it omits uh, verses 1 through 13. Uh, and I think we all know why. Or 1 through 12. Actually, none of us know why. Because those are pretty good verses. <laughs> so, uh, again, you can... You can jump in there. So first of all, remind us, Brother Wing, like what's give us some remind us of some background uh, from the Corinthians. Why do you suppose Paul is hammering on this resurrection business so much with these people in Corinth? Yeah. So this, by the way, I have to say this one last thing about I don't, I'm not trying to um, talk about verse 34, of chapter 14 too much. But if you if the kid comes up with that, don't you you're think still that, thinking about that kid in seminary? You're I know. Yeah. And I was like, how can I bust this kid out and embarrass him in front of his peers, which I definitely don't want to do. But if you did want to do that, you could use verse 38. What was 14? Verse 38. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. <laughs> there's, there's that was a one good line. one. Yeah. Good. So, Keep that yeah. in your back pocket, teachers, just in case. Yeah. <laughs> that said, in all seriousness, don't embarrass anyone. Yeah. So we're all about love. Anyway, okay. Chapter 15. There are there's a misconception among apparently some, at least some Corinthian mm-hmm. saints, that there is no resurrection. Right. And to me, this also goes with what we've already taught in First Corinthians where we've recognized worldly influences creeping in to the beliefs of, of saints, even believers in Christ, yet they seem to be more influenced by outward sources, and therefore they start to preach things that are wrong, in this case specifically, that there is no resurrection, which is, I mean, Paul's like, you got to be kidding me on this. I just <laughs> taught you. <laughs> yeah this is crazy so he hits this hard and that's why we're probably going to hit it hard this week um the whole week with chapter 15 itself because this is very fundamental to our faith i mean it's like the thing and so if this doesn't happen then then there is no faith it's our our faith is vain paul would say if there is no resurrection you know you know back in chapter uh what chapter are we in back in chapter 14 um, where Paul is talking about, um, oh man, where he's talking about spiritual, where he's talking about spiritual gifts. Um, one of the things he's talking about is the gift to prophesy and an interesting definition in the Bible, in the Bible dictionary is that definition of a prophet and a prophet is anyone who has a testimony of Jesus Christ. And well, why I, I thought prophets like talk about things that are going to happen in the future. Well, that's what they do. Like that's what well, that's what you that's what your students do. That's what we do when we testify that that will that Jesus is going to come again. That we will be resurrected. Then that that's 
that's a prophecy that we're making, right? Um, and so one of Paul's big things that in chapter 15 is like, hey, we are not false prophets. I mean, if, if Jesus isn't resurrected, what are we doing here, guys? Like this, we got nothing going on for us. If if nothing else, if, if there is no resurrection, then everything that I'm preaching, my whole life is wasted. It's all in vain. Uh, and and we feel the same way. If we don't believe in the resurrection, then what like what are we doing? Uh, and so, like you said, Paul's going to hit this hard because this this doctrine matters. If you if you are Satan, and I don't encourage any of you to be Satan, but uh, you would try to convince people that there's no such thing as a resurrection, or at least a corporal resurrection, right? The of a physical body. You would want people to think that they were just going to be a, a light or a force or something for eternity not uh not created or resurrected in the image of god for sure so um so i think that in in first corinthians 15 it's it's split up here into some nice chunks you'll be able to spend some good quality time on uh first corinthians 15 in fact on one of the days we just have one verse but i think that you can have the students read slowly and carefully and understand, I mean, I mean, Paul's going to lay out this doctrine in a very succinct and clear way. Every verse is going to be packed with, with uh, truth and principles that, if we believe, will affect the way that we we live our lives. And so, I'm pretty. I I think this is a a fantastic scripture feasting chapter. Um, some of your students will be surprised to hear. Paul talking about baptisms for the dead and the three degrees of glory. And I think it's important when we get to those verses, maybe I'm kind of jumping ahead here, Brother Wing, on all this stuff, but I'll just mention this up front in a general way. Sometimes students get excited about that, like, hey, I'm going to go show my Baptist friends. This 1 Corinthians 15 proves the church is true because it's talking about uh, baptisms for the dead, and we do baptisms for the dead. Oh, and it's talking about three degrees of glory. We we believe in three degrees, three degrees of glory. It's important to remember that like when when we read scriptures, we we put on glasses, special glasses that says restored gospel of Jesus Christ. And so when we read 1 Corinthians 15, we see the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. When a Baptist reads 1 Corinthians 15 or a Catholic reads 1 Corinthians 15, they put on different glasses. Their glasses say Baptist stuff. Catholics say Catholic stuff. And so when they read about baptisms for the dead or these three degrees, they're seeing it much differently than than we're seeing it. So they believe in these verses. It's not like they cross them out. Some might be it might be a little bit mysterious to a few of them. But I don't want you to think that like, holy cow, this is hiding in the in the Bible. How does how does everyone not understand this the way that we understand this? It's only because we have the restored gospel of Jesus Christ, the revelations of the restoration that the Bible makes any sense to us at all. Yeah, that's well said and great point. And I like, you know, we'll get to verse 29 more, but it is a, a verse where from a the lens of the restored gospel, we come to this verse and when we say, hey, that's cool. Let's let's now talk about baptisms for the dead. And we're going to go to a bunch of other places to then do that because Joseph Smith didn't didn't uh, form the doctrine of baptism from the dead from this verse. Yeah. He, he got yeah. it uh, from the Lord right. and by revelation, and there's a lot more uh, to it. And so hence a need for a prophet in the latter days. 
So, okay. So here's how I would start first uh, Corinthians 15 on that Tuesday. Um, I want my students to see the fundamental role of the resurrection and I want them to learn it directly from Paul. And so I would start with a great scripture feast and say, and I'd set it up just really briefly and say, Paul is going to hit a enormous topic. He's going to hit it really hard. And he's going to talk about it basically for this whole chapter. And we're going to spend the whole week talking about this. So what is this topic? I mean, it's huge, everybody. And so I want you to think about your testimony and your beliefs about Jesus. So just kind of consider for a moment, like your testimony of the church, of truth, of religious things, like what do you actually believe is true? Okay. Kind of where are you at on that? Okay. Now go into chapter 15 and just let's go to at least verse 14 here. You read through here. You really consider what Paul has to say. And then how does, how does Paul's teaching here influence or inform your testimony or your pursuit of a testimony. And then in a few minutes, I just want to hear what you have to say about these verses. And so that to me is a great scripture feasting. That's going to get them in there, I think. And then after they're done, we can have a pretty great discussion about the fundamental role of the resurrection. I mean, the quote from Joseph Smith that's really good on this is, the fundamental principles of our religion are the testimony of the apostles and prophets concerning Jesus Christ, that he died, was buried, and rose again the third day and ascended into heaven. And all other things that pertain to our religion are only appendages to it. That's a pretty clear statement um, from Joseph Smith. I also think it's worth pointing out the logic that Paul points out is that if there is no resurrection, then this is all a hoax. It's a lie. <laughs> like, and there's not a lot of in between, you know? And so Paul, like, I like, I would like for my students to discover these repeated phrases of according to the scriptures, you know, that are in those early verses, uh, as well as seen of, you know? And so Paul's making a real clear point here that we've, We've got scriptural witnesses. We've got people, and at least for Paul's day, he's got people that we know, and himself included, that have seen the Lord resurrected. And so this is they got eyewitness accounts of all of this. And so he's got we got we got strong, strong evidence and witnesses of this. And so either these people actually saw Jesus alive after he had died, or they're all liars. Right. Yes. <laughs> they're like so crazily deceived. And there's so many of them that are crazily deceived. It's it's like unreasonable that they're just tricked. Right. It's either they're fully lying or they're fully telling the truth. Right. And that's a that's a really um fun uh position to be in, to be like that, that's where it's at. I mean, the, yeah. the restored gospel of Jesus Christ is pretty much there too. Either Joseph Smith is telling the truth. Or this is all a crazy hoax, and every prophet since Joseph Smith has just perpetuated this hoax, right? I mean, which, which is more likely, really? But we don't do with likeliness or odds. Right. We go with the Holy <laughs> Ghost and Scripture to determine truth. Um, but that's why that's why we're going to feast on this, have a good discussion about it, open ourselves to the Holy Ghost to witness of this truth and strengthen our testimonies. That's true. It might be fun to um, to have your students just. You know, just as a little exercise, obviously, don't take a lot of time on this, but 
try to think of all the people or groups that have seen the resurrected Savior. Um, there's thousands and thousands of people that have seen the resurrected Savior. We know the Nephites saw him. That was quite. A, that was at least two thousand of them that that saw him. Lots and lots of people have, and so the, these, like you said, the, it, it either all has to be a lie, like that's just wonderfully perpetuated in an amazing way throughout uh, history, uh, or there's truth there. So, and I think this is an opportunity for your students to share testimony, um, to share testimonies that they've had of. Um, of the resurrection, many of them have had loved ones pass away that have caused them to consider uh, the the doctrine of the resurrection. Um, many of them had had have had experiences. For example, as we we get to the next day in uh, verse twenty nine, they've had experiences doing baptisms for the dead that were powerful experiences. I think it's important to to point out here that. Uh, we want to remind our, our students that we are so glad that they have sacred experiences, but to be careful about sharing some sacred experiences, because when we share them over and over again, sometimes they might lose some of their sacredness, but, but we for sure can have our students testify of these doctrines, the doctrine of resurrection. How do you know that we'll be resurrected? How do you know that the practice of baptisms for the dead actually uh, enables those who have died to make to uh, to go to spirit paradise. Um, I think you might be able to get some great testimonies in your class on those subjects. What do you think? Yeah, and I like that you mentioned that because it really does show that there's hope in this. I mean, proving the kind of the doctrinal point and the truth about things that's one thing, but then let's let's actually talk about that truth and the hope and happiness that comes with the reality that everyone is going to be resurrected. And so, so many challenges in this life, even extreme painful ones that we don't even want to consider yet, knowing that there's a resurrection sure softens the blow, right? Yeah. In fact, the way the scriptures say that the sting of death is taken away um, in those things. And so uh, understanding that Christ overcame death for us, and this is, this is, the good news of the gospel that this is yeah. so happy to consider. I mean, one thing that the students could do, I don't know how long that discussion will be as they study like the first 14 verses, but as you go on from there, um, you can kind of from, you know, from there to verse 28, you know, you could, you could be like, if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead, then what, you know? So that's kind of the point with the first part, but, but then you could focus then on like verses 20 to 28, like since Jesus did rise from the dead, then what? And and there can be some great praising and and uh, expressions of faith and and uh, happiness because of that resurrection. So that'll be that'll be good for the students to identify. So now you weren't uh, old enough. I think you just barely missed when Joseph Smith introduced that doctrine of baptisms for the dead to the church. Were you yeah. alive when he did that? Yeah, because I'm like three years older than you or something. <laughs> so I deserve these kinds of jokes. <laughs> I'm, in a, church I'm in a different decade than you. You're you're down in your 40s. That's yeah. true. So, yeah. The uh here's your church history quiz, Brother Wing. Uh whose funeral did Joseph Smith um introduce the doctrine of baptisms for the dead? 
I was about to say Polly Knight, but that's not true. No, no, yeah, she died in 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 uh, near in, in Independence. First person to die in Independence was Polly King Knight. Follett. King Follett. Oh, close. That, it seems like Joseph always taught his great doctrines at uh, at funerals. Um, King Follett was the was uh, man's potential. Uh, that that doctrine, man's potential become like God. The correct answer is Seymour Brunson. Seymour Brunson. <laughs> I don't know what it is about. I, now, Seymour Brunson was a great guy, right? He's a great guy. Uh, lots of people showed up to his funeral, but as he was, as Joseph was speaking at this funeral, uh, he looked over in the crowd, and there is a a lady there, a widow who had also just lost her son. And as he looked at her, um, he began to teach the doctrine of baptisms for the dead. And after he taught this doctrine, people were pretty fired up. They're pretty excited to go down and get bab- do baptisms for the dead. In fact, they started doing them in the Mississippi River. And and uh, and that's where we get, what was it, was it section 124 where... Um, is it 124? We're talking yeah. about baptisms for dead. Like, yeah, you can do them in the Mississippi River for a while. So people were really excited. You want to know what revelation people weren't excited about when it first came out? It was the doctrine of the three degrees of glory. Yeah. In fact, there were people that were were leaving the church because of this doctrine. I mean, this is a doctrine we love. We love this doctrine. Like, oh yeah, look at look at the justice and equity and fairness and mercy of God that. I mean, we be, we believe everybody gets to go to heaven, right? Terrestrial, telestial, celestial, everybody gets to go. So, and and that's what bothered people. In fact, Brigham Young really struggled with it. Um, and so, in First Corinthians fifteen, we learn uh, we go from the doctrine of baptisms for the dead, which early saints loved. It's, uh, this dispensation I love. Then we get the doctrine of uh, the the three degrees of glory, and they didn't like that so much. Uh, they they came from Protestant backgrounds. It was heaven and hell, and and so that was this was a this was a hard doctrine for them to understand. Um, but again, Paul is teaching this doctrine in an effort to help the Corinthians, the Corinthian saints, understand the resurrection and the types of resurrection that will exist—a celestial resurrection, which is the one that we do all of our advertising for, uh, the terrestrial resurrection resurrection and a telestial resurrection um so how would we how would we do scripture feasting on this one brother wing yeah so this is where i mean do we do baptisms for the dead lesson did we talk about that well i think well we we i think okay, we did so let me just say this what do you want to say more about baptisms for the dead lesson since i'm older i'm gonna i'm gonna say this so if you're on the Wednesday when you're teaching first Corinthians 15 verse 29 and that's it. Mm-hmm. So do a lot of scripture mm-hmm. feasting on that verse. Yeah. Right. One verse. Yeah. This is where I would actually start um, on this for the baptisms for the dead. And so it's not totally scripture feasting, but it is some pretty good study right ahead of time. And then I think it'll lead into to a good discussion. Like I said before, I think it's important that the students understand we didn't like Joseph Smith didn't see this verse in the Bible and then all of a sudden come up with, you know, everything out of just one verse because the verse doesn't say much about baptism for the dead. Um, but 
it's mentioned there. And so right. let's get the background here. And so a great place to go to get that background is to take your students to the Gospel Library app. And then you go to the church history tab that's there. And then under the church history tab, you're going to see where it says church history topics. And then go to the entry for baptisms for the dead. And there's your, there you're going to get a great overview in history. So this is one option. If you feel like this is too boring for your students, or they're not going to want to read this, um, you could summarize it for them or just kind of point it out to them. Or if you think they can handle it, it's a few paragraphs, not super long, but they say, look, let's just get a good historical overview of baptisms for the dead. And then you can go into the verse and talk about this, this particular verse. But I also think it's really important at some point in the discussion on that day to point out to the students the context. Paul is not teaching about baptisms for the dead. He's only using this as an example to illustrate the reality of the resurrection. And so he's like, look, you're doing baptisms for the dead. And the only reason that this has any meaning whatsoever is because there is a resurrection. And so um, other, other faiths might interpret that or try to interpret that verse differently. Um, most just say something like this Bible commentary that I have that says, why the Corinthian saints practice baptism in, on behalf of the dead is unknown. So that's kind of where they leave it. You know, they don't, they don't really know. And so that's fair. That is like when you, when you, all you have is the Bible, that's the best possible conclusion that you could come to is just be like, we don't know anything about this. It's kind of unknown. Mm -hmm. And yet that's why we have modern prophets to teach us, you know, well, we do now have some answers, thankfully. And so this is where this uh, church history section um, and these topics, baptism for the dead might, might help the students with that. And you can talk about going to the temple, even that the Bentonville temple is being open soon and students are going to be able to go and do baptisms for the dead right here um, close by. And so that might be great to talk about on that Wednesday. Okay. Now back to your question about yeah. leading into that Thursday's lesson um, about the degrees of glory. Um, again, keep the context. Paul's Paul's proven the resurrection here. And so he wants to talk about the resurrection and he wants to show them the purpose of life. And so in the teacher manual, there's a great, like, I think this is a pretty good activity. You could give your students a, a whiteboard or a piece of paper or something and just say, hey, you take this and you diagram the whole purpose of life and what you know about the grand scheme of things, you know, what we sometimes called a plan of salvation and, and just, just, just draw that out or diagram that however you want to, you know, and what do you know about this? And so let them do that for a minute and they can, they can draw that. I do like how the teacher manual says this. And if the students don't put this in their diagram, this would be a great uh, emphasis for them. It says the teacher manual says, as you draw, be sure to reflect on the role of Jesus Christ throughout father's plan. So if they end up drawing some circles and diagrams and there's no Jesus Christ in there, then you can say, okay, go back and fix this because it's missing the most important thing. Um, so that'd be good. But whether you do that right after they're drawing or after they study, you can lead into their drawing 
or go from their drawing into first Corinthians 15 and say, okay, see what Paul's written here um, in verses 30 through 58. Um, and then just how does he inform your, your artistic work, you know, or your diagram or whatever it is about, about life, about the purpose of life, about what we're doing here, about where we're going after this life. And, and uh, that could be a great way to lead into their feasting and then let them feast on that second half of first Corinthians 15. Right. I think it's important uh, just as a, as a warning, like this is a, this is a pretty exciting topic uh, in the church generally, like life after death is always an exciting topic. And so you, you might get quite a few questions from your students. It's amazing how little we know about the celestial, telestial and terrestrial kingdom. Um, but yet it's amazing also how much we speculate on what takes place in the celestial, terrestrial and telestial kingdom. So I would encourage you teachers to not, to not feed that dog, uh, so much with, uh, with a whole bunch of speculation about, uh, what goes on there. I would just stick to, uh, to what's been said in the scriptures and by prophets, um, that, we know in the highest degree of the celestial kingdom is where uh, is where family relationships continue, and that's where we that's where we're aiming. Um, you'll hear all we hear all types of speculation about the other kingdoms and Brother Wing's favorite speculation that he hears about. Oh, a, a man would kill himself to to get to those plate to get to the celestial kingdom. Um, unfortunately, lots of members have heard that. Is that true? By the way, Brother Wing. That is a terrible cited statement. I love busting out that statement that that that's not even the direct quote, which is sketchy at best. Uh, yeah, at best. Doesn't say that. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so even if you're quoting it accurate, even if it was accurate, it doesn't say that. And the, the quote itself is very suspect. So oh, I know I know there's teachers that are listening to this right now going, Oh geez, I think I've told people that before. That's okay. Just pray. Ask Heavenly Father to help them forget all the people that you've told that to forget that you've said it. I do that all the time. So oh, I'm not a very good teacher. And so I'm hoping that people don't remember most of what I teach. Um, <laughs> all right. What are we doing? What, and so doctoral mastery is doctoral mastery. Anything you want to say about that or anything more you want to say about First uh, Corinthians 15? Yeah, no, I want to emphasize what you just said about kind of not overclaiming about what we know about the afterlife and being really clear. And if students kind of speculate or we just kind of want to mention that we don't really know much, but if students wanted to like, well, I want to know more about the afterlife. So you're not letting us just speculate here, teacher. So what do we, I want to, I want to know more about what's going on in the next life and the purpose of this life. Then you say, well, great. Go study Alma chapter 40 through 42. There's some great commentary about life about the afterlife, about the resurrection. I mean, Alma really teaches really great stuff there. So those three chapters would be a great resource for our students. Um, now, as far as Friday goes with the doctrinal mastery, my suggestion was to just combine both doctrinal masteries into one day since yeah. we're missing a day next week. Um, you can obviously adjust this how you want teachers to kind of make things fit. Um, but if you do both those doctoral masteries on Friday, um, the teacher manual again has some, you know, great stuff to kind of guide that pattern. Remember, 
with this doctrinal mastery, we're not just becoming more familiar with the passage. We may want to memorize a little bit um, in these cases, but most importantly, with, with the doctrinal mastery itself, we want to practice using this following that pattern that we're going to um, act in faith, examine the concepts with an eternal perspective, and seek further understanding through divinely appointed sources that are trustworthy. And so the, the teacher manual kind of guides that process. You may find that you want to pick one more than the other. I mean, my personal opinion, 1 Corinthians 15, 20 to 22, maybe is a little more valuable to the students than 40 to 42 um, yep. in, their, in their efforts. But if you want to try to do both or you feel like you can do both or you want to put them in, in, you know, divide the class and have one do one and one do the other and they teach each other, that might be a good way to, to do two doctrinal masteries in one day. Would you divide the class like people who are going to the celestial kingdom and people who are going to the terrestrial kingdom? Would you divide them in those? You could divide groups? it by all of the students that gave good one-liners in chapter 14 versus that one kid that picked out verse yeah. 34. So you have the one kid. You're in a group by yourself, kid. All right. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, teachers, you keep at it. You're doing a good job. You, uh, We're excited for you. Let us know how we can help you if we're, if, if, you would like improvements made to this pod? Actually, there's probably there's so many improvements that could be made to this podcast. I don't know if we want to hear them all. It might get over. It might overwhelm us if we. I hear. don't want to read that much. Yeah. If you'll just comment in the Facebook, uh, yeah. If you'll just comment on the the great things uh, that we're doing, then we'd really appreciate that. That's all we want to hear. So, all right, teachers. Until next time, we love your guts. Everybody, stay righteous.